Alex Verhoover, you're a specialist in ethics, and you've described these ethics as a beautiful cacophony of disagreement, an orchestra without conductor. Why should anybody take a beautiful cacophony of disagreement seriously? Well, I think we have to take it seriously because the questions we deal with in ethics are those that we can't avoid or no reflective person can avoid. So to give you an example of a number of such questions, the first may be that you find that you have a moral response to a particular case that comes up, like you hear about a doctor hastening the death of his patient so he can extract his organs. That is a real case yeah. in the United States. And you think immediately, well, that's absolutely wrong. Yeah. But if you're reflective, you might think, why is it wrong? Because in this particular case, the patient was moribund. Uh, someone else was about to receive the organs. They would live as a consequence, a longer life. Can uh, I stop you there? Yeah. Because that's a really good example yep. of working through what your intuition is. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Now, my problem with that is that in the old days with Kant and other guys, we thought we got to intuition and we reasoned and we produced outcomes. Yes. But now it's, I'm a Catholic, so I end up there. I'm a humanist, I end up there. In other words, class, gender, mm -hmm. religion, sexuality, they create intuitions. Isn't that the insight of the 20th century, which leaves, if I may say so, precious little scope for something separate from that called truth and ethics? Yes. Well, it's definitely true that our intuitive judgments, uh, our moral judgments, come from our environment, from our background, yeah. from our particular experiences, yeah. which is precisely why we need to question them bring out the factors that are influencing us into the open and have a reasoned debate about whether we ought to really endorse the things, the judgments totally that come understood. to us. That's sociology. That's another subject. That's no, psychology, no, no. isn't it's it? Not, no, no, no. There's psychology is involved in trying to understand the factors that drive us to a particular judgment, but in assessing whether those judgments are indeed correct, worthy of endorsement, that's the area of philosophy because that's a normative question, not a descriptive one. Now you've said many of the convictions that have been central over the centuries to people's common sense, morality, seem clearly wrong. Yes. So you're frankly disowning most of what the brainy guys thought in the past. Why should we take seriously what you think and your brainy friends today? I'm not uh, disowning what the brainy people said in the past. I'm disowning a lot of what uh, was common sense morality in the past. Now you'll know that the brainy people, as you call them, people like uh, Kant, but also Socrates, uh, Plato, etc., often went against the grain and provided arguments precisely to uh, shake people out of their ordinary uh, moral prejudices and convictions. So I think that's a real role for philosophers. Now, why should people listen to us? That's a really good question. Uh, if you had a moral dilemma, I think you would seek out someone who's thought about those types of cases before, who you think is a reflective and trustworthy person. Now, to some extent, I think philosophers should aspire to be that type of person. They've thought long and hard about a variety of issues that come up in, in our everyday lives. And uh, at the very least, they can offer the benefit of having thought through right, so, this case before. So they're kind of assistants to the sociologists and the psychologists and the neuroscientists. and the I mean, the ethicist is the kind of guy standing by to hand over the tools. But he or she is not really the central guy anymore. No, 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 that's, that's not true. We're not assistants to them. We're engaged in different projects. It's rather that we can draw on what sociology, psychology tells us about where our initial moral judgments mm -hmm. come from. 
But we're engaged in a different project, the normative project, the proje project of assessing. Uh, do, you, do you think it makes much difference? I think our ideas make a difference by persuading others. See, if you ask where the authority of philosophy comes from, it's just the authority of rational discourse and persuasion. Your it's just you and me talking. Your, your authority is reason, and reason is not a driver of a lot of people's actions. That's correct, but it would be nice if it were a driver of more people's actions. You've described, quoting Socrates, philosophers as a certain kind of person, clever, but rather unpleasantly, purely competitive. Now, you strike me as pleasantly, purely competitive. Are you an unpleasant lot? Um, no, but we can be unsettling, because the same thing that unsettled the Athenians about Socrates, namely that he would question their everyday commitments, their common sense morality, has been what philosophers have done throughout the ages. Uh, so we're not merely kind of friendly advisors. We're also people who are meant to be gadflies and, um, you know, shake people out of their everyday convictions. Alex Verhoover, thank you so much for submitting yourself to the Gear to Grilling. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.